from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn, the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined remotely via Zoom meeting by my co-host, Professor Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. Hello, Americus. Hi, Barbara. I'm excited because today's show is a special fitness-themed show. And you know me, Barbara. I am a data guy. I love to work out. I love to figure out, like, what am I doing in terms of my heart rate? How far am I running? All of this cool stuff. And it wasn't until long ago where we were actually able to incorporate this kind of data, GPS data, all kinds of cool stuff into the workout. So, you know, as Philadelphia is trying to come out of this post-COVID sort of era, fitness and all of the things that define how we use this kind of data and how we do our workouts is changing. So this is going to be an extremely exciting show to talk about all these issues because I know you also, Barbara, are a fitness enthusiast. Absolutely. I have every single fitness app there is and I need more. Um, and I have the one from our next guest as well. Our, next, our guest here to talk about this to start the show on fitness is Mark Ganey, who's the co-founder and chairman at Strava, which is a fitness tracking application for cyclists and runners. And it also works for me, and I'm neither of those, but I pretend <laughs> to be both of them. Um, and then in our second half hour, we're going to have Jeremy Tucker, who's the chief market, marketing officer at, Plit- at Planet fitness. But let's start with Mark because I've kept him on hold long enough. Hello, Mark. How are you? Hi, Barbara. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yes, it's great to have you and thank you for your patience. (laughs) Sometimes things don't go right. But let's talk about, uh, I know what Strava is. Americus knows what Strava is, but perhaps some people out there don't. So why don't you tell us? Sure. Yeah, Strava, you know, simple term, Strava is a, it's a global community of athletes. You know, we're 60 plus million strong today, 195 countries. And what do they do? Everybody sort of plays with Strava on, on our platform, using our mobile apps and our website to basically share, compare, compete with their activities, whether it's a run, a ride, a hike, a walk, a ski session, really doesn't matter what it is, but we're going to bring that together and, and have some fun. Yeah, and so you can see what other people are doing. You can see your roots. You can see all these other things on the app, and it's really exciting. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that business, some of the competition, how it's going, how you think COVID's affected all that. But before we get to all of that, just tell us, how did you get involved? Are you, you're probably a runner or a cyclist or something like that. Maybe both. <laughs> yeah, the, the history goes back. It goes back, uh, actually goes back to the prior century. Uh, my co-founder, Michael Horvath, and I, we actually met on a college team. We were both rowers uh, in college, and we had this fantastic experience uh, in that boathouse and competing against other schools. The only problem was we graduated, and, and poof, you know, it disappeared. That, that camaraderie and esprit de corps and all the trash talking, everything that just comes with being on a team, we lost. And so as early as 1995, he and I had a business plan that said, we've got to recreate that, that experience, but for a global audience. How, how do we create that team atmosphere for as many people as possible? Uh, we were a little early with the business plan, but if you fast forward to 2009, 2010, you know, the world had changed and we were in a place where we could begin to work on that opportunity. So, what, so you said, you alluded to this, what were some of those initial challenges that, uh, why, why was it difficult in the beginning? 
you know, there were two things missing early on. One was just an easy way to capture the data, to capture the activities. Um, it just wasn't a lot of fun to finish a long run or a ride and then try to type it into your computer. So once we saw right. GPS devices, whether it's mobile devices or, or smartphones really come into their being, that enabled a much easier way for us to capture the activity itself and making it easy on the athlete. The other thing that changed was, frankly, just the sharing of information. Back in the late 90s, the idea of sort of sharing your, your workout or, for that matter, what you had for breakfast or your latest <laughs> job interview, that was not something that was common. But mm -hmm. you fast forward to 2009, 2010, the advent of Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, people's sort of behavior with their information, if they were getting real value from it, was something that they were willing to share. And so those That's two things really changed. Yeah, that's true. I share all sorts of things about myself. I never would have thought I would, but I don't even think of it. It's so the norm now. You're absolutely right. So how is Strava? There are tons of apps out there. What makes Strava unique? I think we have two things that separate us from so many of the other fitness apps that are out there. The first, you know, I've heard this line for years. I downloaded a bunch of fitness apps and then I joined Strava. And I think that that subtle word between downloading a piece of technology and actually joining a community is really important. Strava really is about the interaction amongst the athletes uh, and not just across the, the global community, but within Strava, we all kind of have our network, our, our the folks that we love to follow and interact with. I think that's a, a major difference from so many of the tracking apps that I know I've used in the past. I think the second thing, though, that's really important is that we actually integrate with just about every other app on the planet, uh, whether it's something as simple as your Garmin device or your Apple Watch or it's, it's other full-on apps and services like the Pelotons and the Zwifts or, or indoor applications. We've never saw them as necessarily competitive as much as how do we work with their information so that we give our athletes that single place to call their athletic home? Actually, that makes a lot of sense. When I downloaded it maybe a couple months ago, and I could instantly put all the data that I had already recorded into that app. So I felt like I was part of the community for a while. That made a big difference to me. So it worked for me. Right. Uh, and so um, have you, you know, it's interesting to normally when we're talking about COVID, we're talking about um, things getting destroyed, but I suspect that COVID's actually helped you. I mean, that'd be my hypothesis. I don't know. How's COVID affected your business? Yeah, I mean, we could look at it on different angles. I mean, we've been affected like everybody else, just in terms of a company and the way we've had to adjust. And you had a, you know, a team that was really enjoyed working together in an office. And, and now we're we're all sitting here virtually trying to figure out how to use Zoom. Uh, I think from our community standpoint, look, we're grateful to have been in a place where we can support really two things that people needed in this time of crisis. One was just a focus on health and wellness. And, and the fact of the matter is you can still get outdoors. You can do that run or that ride or frankly, just that hike or that, that walk with your family and capture it on Strava. And it's just a way of sort of memorializing it. So we have seen that that's been really important. The other thing we've seen, it goes back to this community notion in this world where it's much harder to connect physically with your friends, to be able to do it on a place like Strava has been really impactful. Uh, we've seen just things like the adoption of clubs and, and just the comments and just the level of interaction take place on Strava has gone up significantly in recent months. Very cool. Okay. Listeners, sorry, listeners, if you're just joining us, so we are speaking with Mark Ganey, who is co-founder of Strava, a fantastic app that collects data information and really operationalized the notion of social fitness. I mean, we, this was something that we haven't really heard of uh, prior to this. But I want you to comment, Mark, in terms of the, the, the challenges you know, in this world where people are trying to reconnect 
are you seeing certain kinds of ways that they use the information that have surprised you and your colleagues or do you think and then kind of what's your prediction when a lot of the pandemic sort of you know settles down what, what will what will the new normative perception on fitness and social social fitness and all of these kinds of connecting through data what will that look like on the other side of that's COVID? a really i want to just echo that's a really interesting question because i am much more committed now and i wonder what your prediction is is going to happen after so what's happening now and what's going to happen after that's a great question america's i like it <laughs> yeah america's it's 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 and it's something you're right it feels like it's very much a moving target right now we're just continuing to watch changes in behavior but i think fundamentally what we're seeing in terms of the things we've been pleasantly surprised by. Like I'll give just one example, club adoption inside Strava, this notion of sort of finding your group, finding that, that, that group of individual athletes that you can connect with regardless of their location. Right. So I've, I mean, I now have friends that are in Brazil and the UK and in the area where I live here in the Bay area in California. And the fact that we can constantly interact and kind of have ways to challenge each other. I've got funny group right now where um, one of my friends, he just, he basically has challenged us to what he calls the, the middle mile challenge. Uh, it's really silly, but it's basically, Hey, we've all got to go out and run five miles and your third mile has to be the fastest. Oh, uh, wow. I have to do it. And it just, it's a really fun, it's a social, cool. you know, there's no, there's no that prize. That doesn't sound fun, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's painfully fun. It turns out it's harder than it sounds. Yeah. It's, it sounds it's hard. But, um, so we've really, we've enjoyed the creativity. We've enjoyed the way in which people have kind of found their, their, their group that they can connect with. I think long-term what we're fascinated by is, you know, even this notion of competition. You know, we, we saw a world here just three months ago where everybody's race calendar, everybody's sort of plans for the future was just completely put on hold, if not completely uh, put to rest. Uh, we saw all the cancellations of marathons and triathlons and, and local just 5K fun runs. And I think right now what we're learning is it's not just about trying to replicate those in a virtual world. It's, it's rethinking what's possible. We're, we're watching race organizers and, and, and even inside Strava sort of really begin to think creatively about a situation where even as we come out of this pandemic, the notion of what it is to just compete and, and frankly be inspired by one another, I think we can marry these two worlds in a really fun way. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So um, I understand that you had some partnership with Lance Armstrong. What happened with that? You know, actually, I think that, that it, was, uh, it was something that out there, we don't have a partnership with Lance. What we have is a, um, there's a challenge that's going on right now inside Strava. We have weekly and monthly challenges that are always taking place. And there's a challenge that's sponsored by a company called PowerDot. Uh, great company that does muscle stimulation and Lance is involved with PowerDot. I believe he's an investor and spokesperson for them. And so we're doing something, it's called the grand, I think it's called the grand tour of PowerDot where people can go. And I, I believe what you have to do is if you ride a hundred miles on your bicycle in the month of July, then you earn the opportunity to earn some prizes and things like that. So uh, that's, there's a relationship between PowerDot and, and Lance and, and we're obviously supportive of what PowerDot is doing on the Strava platform. Very, very interesting. I'll, just to reintroduce you quickly, this is fantastic. Mark Ganey is co-founder of Strava, a fantastic uh, application that gathers data and helps us become more fit by giving us performance metrics on the things we care about, GPS, uh, heart rate, all these kinds of cool things that we try to capture. And I want to ask the question, though, Mark, because this is Marketing Matters. How do you think about acquiring a new user? 
What does that process look like for you? What does the marketing look like? Do you segment? Do you try to figure out different types of fitness enthusiasts? How do you, how does this process happen for you, you and your team? Yeah, Americus, it's a great question. And, you know, after being in business for just over 10 years, I can tell you, we've tried every marketing tactic in the book. What we fundamentally, fundamentally come to realize at Strava is that far and away, the best way we can acquire new members is through word of mouth. It's creating an experience inside Strava that's compelling enough that our current members want to invite their friends. Um, and so- That's what happened part- to me. I just have to say it works yes, for me. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it's not, You think that it's not rocket science, it's kind of simple, but the execution of it turns out is, is, can be challenging at times. First, you have to just make sure somebody is actually enjoying themselves. And then secondly, there's things that we do to inspire you to want to invite your friends in, whether that's making sure that somebody that you did, you, you know, you did your hike with on a Sunday afternoon that you can actually add them to the activity if they're not on Strava. Or if we do challenges, how do you, how do you encourage other people to join to make that more interesting? So that's, if I were to give one lesson before we get into interesting. all kinds of growth hacks and, and paid <laughs> acquisition and yes. so forth, it comes back to the fundamental. Our best source has just been keep our members really, really happy yes. and they will invite their friends. Interesting. Interesting. I think that's a great point, Mark, because what we find often in the marketing world is we try to create fancy, beautiful, uh, persuasive communication, advertising, slick kinds of uh, beautiful, you know, emotional music and, and all this stuff. And a lot of times, you know, we create all these attempts to try to sell something. It's literally just your fitness pal who just says, hey, I, this, check out this cool thing, America. And like, what's that? It's like, and that's it. And, you know, it's so it's so fundamental. But your point is a great point. Like, how do I you know, as a, as a company, especially a, an experience that's delivered through data and a technological platform, how do I create that conversation? Can I facilitate that conversation? Can I do things in the app that will ignite a kind of organic conversation and discussion? And it just so happens that part of that discussion is Barbara telling America's, hey, you know, you ought to get Strava if you're really into this because it's really cool. And let me and here's why. What are your that's thoughts right. on, on how to and how to continue doing that? Because obviously it, it's such a simple point. It, you know, everyone's going to at some point start trying to do this, right? I mean, let me give you a story that was early on in our life cycle that I think proved to be just fundamental to this strategy. Uh, when we launched, we had a go-to-market that was very, we called it an inch wide, mile deep. We picked one athletic audience and that was the passionate cyclist. And we just said, look, we know we want to serve ultimately a global community across lots of different sports, but let's go deep with this group. And in doing so, we learned some really interesting things about their behavior. In particular, cyclists love climbs. It doesn't matter how long they go for a ride, five miles or 100 miles, there's some iconic climb in the middle of that ride that's really, really important to them. So we said, okay, we'll help identify that climb. We'll we'll actually pull that out in the data so that when you come back and you relive your experience on Strava, we can show it to you. Well, what we then quickly learned was as soon as they saw that, the cyclist said, this is really interesting but I want to know how my buddy did on it as well. How, how, do, how do I compare that? And so yes. that was the birth of what we call Strava segments, which are now this really popular function in, in Strava. And it's predicated on two things. One is finding that really interesting stretch of trail or road that, that you care about, but then also oh, showing context, uh-huh. showing how the other people who have been on that same trail, how they are, how they're doing. Well, by doing that, you create this virtuous loop because now you want to start inviting all your friends on to see 
wait, how are they doing on that segment? And what are they doing? And even when people tell us they're not competitive, trust me, uh, they all are. I don't care if it's just somebody who's hiking. They just love to just sort of be able to compare and contrast. Interesting. And what I love about that point, Mark, is the idea that, oh, it's beautiful. Because what you're saying is like, you know, that special hill, presumably, this cyclist has some some aspect in their in their head, their cognitive process that says that hill is special for X, Y, Z emotional reasons for me. And it could be a litany of different things, right? And you're actually creating the situation where they can take that memory and try to connect it in a social way to a friend and have a conversation about it and like live it together and then have maybe a fun or maybe not so fun competition. I mean, it's, it's genius because it's taking fitness and it's, and it's taking it outside of the world of just the functional thing of like making the sweating happen. And it's bringing it into this world of this more kind of connectedness, which is very, very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, know, we learned long ago, just you got to make this fun and entertaining. If you do that, that inspires people to come back. And th- that's our mission. If we can just make people a little more active than they were a day before, good things happen. Yeah, when you're active, you're a better parent, you're a better spouse, you're a better coworker. We all know that intuitively, but it's really hard. It's hard to stay active. It's hard. Life gets in the way. So this, we just found, if we can just find moments of entertainment, uh, keep it fun, keep it lighthearted, good things happen. Let me ask you a couple of questions that are kind of out of your expertise and wheel, wheelhouse, but since you're in the business, you might have opinions on. One of them is, you know, opening up these gyms and all this other stuff, like Philadelphia is right now opening up these gyms and this, the fear of COVID and all this other stuff. That, do you have any prediction on where the whole industry is likely to go or how all of this is going to affect the whole fitness industry, not just these apps, but have you given any thought? To, I mean, I know your stuff's outdoors. And so maybe some of your, I don't know, probably the people who are cyclists and runners belong to gyms also. But I wonder what you think about, you know, just the, the future of that industry. So one thing we've seen, we've seen a, a significant increase in the number of indoor activities that are coming into Strava. People are posting them, but they're posting it from non-traditional places. They're from their garage, from their home. So, so I think, you know, stating the obvious, we've seen that home workout has become critical to people's success out there and people's sort of livelihood. Um, uh, there's a company that is a good partner of ours, Zwift or Peloton is another one that's very popular and so forth. And we've continued to see significant adoption there. So I think people have, you know, stating the obvious, they've, they've adjusted what they needed in that gym and tried to find it indoors. We've watched the uh, adoption of everything from just YouTube videos and yoga workouts and just, just the explosion. And uh, you know, I really love the creativity of um, the fitness instructors uh, that have gone online and, and frankly developed some really creative business models where because they don't have to be locked into a studio in a set period of time, they're actually able to create uh, interactions with folks either live or recorded that have become really popular. So do I think that there's a, the death of the fitness industry and we know it? Far from the truth. I think that people realize health and wellness is critical, in, not just in the middle of a pandemic, but going forward. Specific to gyms and some of these places that just have these near-term issues of social distancing, I, boy, I'm, I feel for them. I think patience rules the day. Uh, we will get to the other side of this pandemic. And, and frankly, these, these locations are important. People still need to come together. It's yeah. we're, we're creatures that that need that camaraderie. And Strava's not trying to suggest that we're going to replace that. We're we're additive to that experience. 
And one other question, again, out of your wheelhouse, but I'm just, you're thoughtful, so I'm curious about this. So one of the things that we're seeing as a trend is the combination of this wellness health behavior with nutrition, with food, with medical records. Um, and I would imagine your app might be connecting with partners like that, like health and hospitals and doctors. And so, you know, the idea of automated medicine, telemedicine, that we've seen incredible acceleration into telemedicine during COVID. And that I personally think is a good thing. And so getting all this convergence of not only wellness data, but health data and medical data together might make for much better medical service in the future. Have, maybe even as part of your business model, you've been considering that. Yeah, we, we've, um, so we partner with law organizations, institutions. And so I think we have 50,000 API partners today who have various access to our data. And we're constantly sort of thinking about the innovation around sort of this, the aggregation of this information. Uh, so you're right. I think that there's a lot to learn. We're just scratching the surface today in terms of the way in which we can bring, if you think about an athlete's life, there's actually a very short period of time that's spent doing the workout. Uh, if you, you, you go, go for a run for an hour, there's these 23 other hours that are really important. Uh, and we're cognizant of that, uh, whether it's the nutrition, whether it's the sleep, whether it's recovery, whether it's uh, injury prevention. So we can see sort of that model and, and how we want to take care of our athletes in that way. The sensitivity we have is privacy uh, and being very cognizant of the the contract we have with our athletes. Um, we have, we're in the business. In fact, we make money because our athletes spend with us. It's a subscription business. You know, we're not selling ads. We're not doing anything. We have a, we have a relationship with our athlete that's very direct, very transparent, and we want to build a trusted brand. And so I think our sensitivity is as we sort of think about this aggregation of information and medical, how do we walk that line of also being very clear that it's our athletes data and it's up to them to manage sort of privacy and who has access to it and under what conditions. Yeah. I mean, privacy is a big issue, but this notion of what we could do with the convergence of all this data and the knowledge that we can learn about things going forward. I, I was talking to somebody in the insurance business and they said nothing short of COVID got everybody moving to telemedicine. People are now trusting um, they would do all these financial incentives to get people to post their health data and they wouldn't do it. But under COVID, there's no other way to see a doctor but online. Suddenly people are doing it. So you're seeing massive changes in behavior. And perhaps that'll help solve some of these privacy issues. I don't know. You know, Barbara, I'll give you just a very personal anecdote. It was one year ago that Strava started showing me some funny anomalies in my own heart rate data. I was going out and having good workouts, but my heart rate data was, uh, it was just off. It was, it was spiking at different times. And, and I began to have some funny symptoms that didn't make sense. I'd go out on an easy run and I was, uh, my legs felt heavy. A very long story short, I ended up being diagnosed with uh, a condition called atrial fibrillation with basically a heart condition that required ultimately a procedure last November. I never would have seen it had it not been for the data coming through in Strava. Cause I just, it was, I was basically wow. somewhat wow. asymptomatic. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, you know, you're clearly onto something and, and we can see it. Um, we often joke inside Strava, we have the noise of opportunity. There's so many things we want to be able to do for our athletes and there's so little time and we're still just a team of 180 people. So we're, we're trying to stretch through that, but that's, uh, we know that that's the future, how you bring these together and, and give signal to people so they can make good choices. 
I mean, really, that's, and you know, like that, that's important business. Apple's in that business. Google's in that business. Amazon has announced that business. The notion eventually of figuring out how all this data gets together and what we do with this data is, is really a huge business and people see a lot of opportunity with that. And, you know, you're a piece of that, but I do think that's where there's a lot of growth and a lot of good for, like you were saying, diagnosing things you didn't know you had um, and learning from others. There's so much positive in, in that, but the privacy concerns have to be taken into account. Yeah. Well, Mark, thank you so thank much you for so joining much. us today. And where can our listeners go to keep up with you in your work? Uh, easiest place to find us, www.strava.com, or they can download the apps and they can always find me at marketstrava.com. Very cool. And I got to say, as a customer or a user, I think it's great. So, awesome. Uh, totally uh, independent of your being on the show. I loved it. Excellent. But we're going to take a Thank short you. break now. And when we come back, we're going to speak with Jeremy Tucker, who's the chief marketing officer at Planet Fitness, who's the largest listed US, J, uh, US gym chain. Um, thank you for listening. This is Marketing Matters Business Radio, Sirius XM 132.